0: One guy's a three-time pro bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports
1: Writer of the Year, and together,
0: they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildy and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast. Now, wait a minute now. Is this the John Coon Podcast finale? We ask this every week.
1: Yeah, I you know, it's not going to be a finale. Okay, but we are going to have a slight hiatus after this uh, because of being the dead time of the year. Sports-wise, we got a couple vacations. Uh,
0: don't yeah, don't give me this up. dead time of the year thing. You're just going to be gone.
1: Well, yeah. Part of it. Okay, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so we will – we're not – it's not – it's not Goodbye. Yeah, it's, just, it's See you later. See you later. Talk yeah, to you later. Listen
1: yeah, later. We'll say it like that.
0: All right. So, you and I uh on Monday did Wildy and Tausch. You mm-hmm. were the cousin sub of the day. Mm-hmm. And uh then we will hopefully do that when you get back sometime cuz Tausch takes all that vacation. But you came to the house and did the show.
1: Yeah, and almost broke my neck. <laughs> When it shovel your driveway, man.
0: My driveway was completely clear. No,
1: but not if I fell and nearly broke my. And then
0: yesterday it was warm, or Sunday it was warm, and there was melting.
1: You're lucky I'm an athlete. You're lucky. You're lucky.
0: You're an athlete too, though. We're
1: both lucky. I'm an athlete. (laughs) You know, Edgar Bennett used to always say, and this was one of my favorite quotes: "Is good athletes fall slow. They don't have the hard falls where they fall." Right on their head, and get up with mud, <laughs> entrenched in half their face mask. They know how to take a fall, stumble for a couple extra yards, duck their shoulder, and get a roll on yeah. the back end. And no, no harm no foul. Not a big hit. Not a big fall. Just a nice soft fall. That's what we had out there. Although it was, it was. It's on concrete. Listen, it was Fred Flintstone esque. My feet were boop, 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 and <laughs> they were going at a mile a minute. Put my hand down. It, too, was on ice. Clean your driveway, man.
0: So I I, I will acknowledge that I could have put salt out there uh, okay. knowing that you were coming.
1: Nice for you to take some accountability on this I am
0: – you know, Tausch never been, admits he's a, wrong. It's a while. I do. Yeah, it's, I should have. Uh, I didn't, so that's on me. But, again – Uh, Knowing my, as we have discussed on the podcast before, my anal retentive nature about my driveway, that I never like to have snow get compacted onto the driveway. So the driveway was clear, man. And then the melting runoff created this ice slick. That you unfortunately happened to traverse on your way into the house, and which it, means
1: your driveway was not clear. Well, okay, uh,
0: I, I'm still blaming uh, global warming for that. Um, all right, so you you survived, you yeah. were okay, um, and you are not going to be going on your trips. Suffering the after effects of your fall. As far goodness, as
1: you know. God, I mean, I'm going golfing coming up here shortly. I would, if I would have not, after taking four months of no golf swings, if I'm about to leave to go take some golf swings, and this would have been ruined because of your driveway. Because it would have been your back. Because of your driveway. Yeah, I would have thought about repercussions.
0: I, You know, my only regret is that I don't have that ring doorbell that would have had, like, the video that I could then place on social well, media. Well, I did lay
1: there for a split second, just taking a deep breath, like, you might be down, but you're not out. You're getting up <laughs> after this one. I felt pretty good about the fall once I was all the way down.
0: So tell me a little bit about your golf trip that you're going on. Who's I do, going? Listen, where are you I going?
1: Do, I do one two, maybe three golf trips a year. I'm lucky that my wife lets me indulge in that. That's kind of my getaway. That's my vice. Um, I've taken trips all across the world going golfing, been to some really cool places. And about mm, two to three years ago, me and a couple of buddies were sitting down with, I think it was a 2017 edition of Golf Digest. And we said, all right, how many of these have we gone to together? And at that point in time together, we had done 11 of the top 100 oh, really? U.S. golf courses. And then we started looking, and it was like, well, I did that one. why well, I did that one. why well, I did that one. And I did that. And, and we had done collectively between the three of us, we had done somewhere around 44 of the top 100 oh, wow. courses. So who are said, these buddies? Um <laughs> Funny you should ask. Um, I do take. I took a golf trip with Tausch to Scotland, where we knocked off some pretty impressive courses over there. Um, and I do take a golf trip every year to Myrtle Beach to reconvene with my college teammates and my high school teammates. Cool. It's funny how I'm kind of the the mud in the middle. That kind of. Holds everything still because you're a blue guy half, yeah. Half of them are my college teammates, half of them are my high school teammates, and we do that trip every year. We've done it for 10 years in a row now. I think it's important to do that trip because none of my college guys live near each other, and I don't get to see my high school buddies anymore. So that's one weekend a year we all get to see each other in golf. So, but that's
0: not this one,
1: no. This is a group uh, where (sighs) my wife married uh, or my wife um, worked in DC before we got married okay and she had a friend that they did so my wife was the tech specialist I guess you would say or consultant that you would go to to use uh, marketing software and her friend was the salesperson so they were like partners in crime they were like you know Bonnie and Clyde going okay. out there and just crushing it and her husband her friend's husband was uh, about my age, and he was into golf, so we started golfing together, and that's where I met him. So we started golfing a long time ago, like two thousand seven, and then the other guy, uh, his name is Jeff, and he is his friend from high school, and we just all. Hey, this has gotten way too long, way too long, no, way not too a, tedious. For, so anyways, first
0: of all, it's a podcast; we go as long yeah, as we want.
1: So now, so now the three of us, we take a golf trip every year. Where have we done? We've done, uh, you know, we've done Pebble Beach, we've done TPC Sawgrass, and and Pebble. I mean, Pebble, we knocked off four or five right on that list because you got Spyglass, you got Pebble, you got Spanish Bay, you got Poppy Hills, you got um, Monterey Country Club, you got um, Cypress Country Club. So we we knocked off a couple right on that list. And then uh, last year we did... TPC Sawgrass, then drove south to where they have the Streamsong Resort, which Streamsong has three courses on the top 100 too. So we've just been kind of knocking them off piece by piece. Um, this year we're going down. We're going to play Islesworth, um, which is in Orlando. Then we're going to drive to Tampa. Play isn't uh, that
0: where um, where Ryan Longwell, the former Packers kicker, and Tiger Woods? Then they used to live. They there? They used
1: to live there. Yeah, that was uh, there. Are a lot of a lot of PGA golfers live and belong to that course. So that's the one we're going to start at, and we'll we'll swing over to Tampa and do uh, Copperhead at Brook, which is on the tour, um, Old Memorial, which is a, a phenomenal country club down there, and then we'll finish at Concessions, which is a top. 100 course, and that is Brian Balaga's home course. Oh, really? Yeah, and we're going to play play with you. We're going to play around with Brian. Yeah, Uh,
0: and and your old teammate Tom Crabtree lives in Tampa, but I think he's a crappy golfer. He's not
1: a golfer. He's not a golfer. (laughs) But maybe we'll have him come caddy for us. I know he'll drink some beers with
0: us. There you go. So you, um, so with your golf experience, um, still nothing compares to when you and Tausch and the quarterback. Went to Augusta.
1: Well, it depends on what you mean. Now, uh, Augusta is one of the best trips I've ever done, just because. Well, it, we we did it in such a way where we golfed Stream so, or I mean uh, Sage Valley the day before,
0: and Sage Valley is well. I, I don't know uh, enough Valley about. Sage Valley
1: is another really great golf course. So okay. the story behind Sage Valley is there was a man in Georgia who could not be a member at Augusta. They just he didn't fit the bill of a membership at Augusta. This is why
0: I don't like Augusta. Right <laughs> <or. laughs>
1: so he didn't fit the bill. So he tried to get in every year. Every year he's denied. He's not you know there's there's this there's a really hard, difficult way to get into Augusta, and it's really easy to get out of there, from what people say. And uh, this guy could not get in. So this guy decided, I'm going to build a golf course. I'm going to build a golf course that's better than Augusta, and I'm going to be the founder. And it's going to be, and we're going to be non-discriminatory, and we're going to, blah 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 blah. Nice. So he did this right across the line in Aiken, South Carolina. They're about 45 minutes apart from one another. They're both spectacular. It tracks. is a great course. Yeah, they're both really great courses.
0: Um, so you went and played Augusta with. Tausch and the quarterback. Yep. Oh, what is that now? Three, four years ago, or uh, more we, than we did that it. Even?
1: We have done it two different times, and uh, oh, good think, for you. I think we did it in sixteen and did it in eighteen, I believe. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: And for those of us that will never play it and watch it on TV and know Amen Corner and yep. everything else, mm-hmm. um, with all the other golf you've played, best golf experience or just like the most revered historic location?
1: Yeah. I mean, so it depends on what you want for golf experience. For me, it was the best because there are things about Augusta that you will never ex- ex- understand until you experience it. Like to me, the real eye-opening moment was not amen corner because by about that time I had been all three or four times right. there. Um, the opening tee shot, you're kind of standing on a little bit of a hill at one. And when I'm telling you, it's just a sea of green plush grass everywhere. The only thing you don't see, and that's and that's tee box, rough, green, rough, tee box, rough. I mean, and, and it's for as far as you can see, it's like, Well, wow. I'm standing on one's tee box. I can see nine's green. I can see twos green. I can see four's green. I can see, you know, you're just going, you're seeing all, you know, I can see 18's tee box. I can see uh, eight's tee box. You can see all these different places from this one spot. And it's just, it's just a sea of green. There's no dead space anywhere. You can hit the ball anywhere and find it. It's amazing. Because the only time you don't see green is you see the thistles from underneath uh, the the trees, and that's all you see is that and some flowers. It, it's it's amazing, and to me the true eye-opening moment was when, so that's on one, so that's kind of an eye-opening moment. You're about to hit the first tee shot on okay. one. But then you hit the tee shot on two, and you walk down to the middle of the fairway where it dog legs. And right when you hit the dog leg, I would say that's the highest point of the whole course. And you can see nearly half the course from there. When you crest this hill, it's just a magnificent sight of, of, of beautiful landscaped, um, just grounds i I just i can't put it into words just how beautiful it is and then knowing that you know you you get to play it and you're walking it it, it's just amazing it truly is
0: so last thing on the golf front okay um how much of your enjoyment of all these incredible courses that you guys have played is predicated on how well you play because these are great courses because they're hard and I'm just wondering how well, much less do you enjoy it if well, it's a day where you suck?
1: I played great at Augusta. It was one of the best rounds of golf I've ever played in my life. So, yeah, much. it matters. Nice. So it matters. But um, I've played some courses that were that I played absolutely terrible. Um, I will say this. There was a couple courses in Scotland where you're playing on the side of a cliff, and it's really neat, really beautiful, just like Augusta for different reasons. But I walked up on a tee shot on a par 3, And bent over to put my tee in the ground to lay my ball on. And about five feet in front of where I was teeing this ball was a thousand foot drop off a cliff. And as I bent forward to put the tee down, I got about a vertigo or something where I like lost control of my body and I, I i then went white as a ghost and could not swing the club you can ask how she said it was one of the more embarrassing hilarious moments he had ever seen in his life how we how i went from being perfectly normal to not being but i it, it just playing on the side of a cliff yeah. had me whack for until we finished the round and i was able to get a beer in the clubhouse and realize I'm on solid ground i didn't have to worry about falling anymore
0: that would have freaked me out too yeah
1: it was it was it was Wild! It was it was a crazy experience, but all of those go together. If you, I just I, I just really enjoy golf for for uh,
0: the for camaraderie, the, the of
1: camaraderie, your and the therapeutic part of being in nature and and walking around and and uh, it's four hours long. So. There's a reason
0: why they call it a good walk spoiled though. Yeah. If you play poorly as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we wish you good luck and good rounds. Hit them straight. Well, thanks. With your buddies, it.
1: it's only a couple days, but that's what you got to. That's what you have to do here in Wisconsin. Yeah, the winters are so long but you can make it happen it's this is what i always say the winters in wisconsin aren't a big deal because the first 3 months of winter are football season right the super bowl fe- first weekend in february
0: right well that's, for now
1: that's when it yeah that's when it gets difficult that's when winter hits you is after football season and you have all of february and all of march to get through yet so i always have a vacation planned or a trip planned for that point in time in the year
0: well, uh, we hope you enjoy that. While you're traveling to go play golf, a lot of NFL prospects have traveled to the scouting combine, which is this week. Um, refresh my memory: you did not get an invitation to the scouting combine, if <laughs> uh, I recall.
1: No, sir. No. <laughs>
0: um, which is proof that you can have a decade-plus long career in the NFL and not be there this week.
1: It's it is not, proof. It, it is it, proof. It's uh, it's not as easy. It's 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 right. difficult. Uh, and it's it's just difficult getting, in, getting the invite, you know, getting the invite to the party. And I don't mean the combine. I mean, if you don't go to the combine, you have a hard – it's difficult to get on a team, to get right. on a practice squad if you didn't go to the combine. Right. And there's only a handful of guys that do it each and every year because, you know, the combine has 400 new guys each year vying for – one of 1,700 spots that are already taken, so it's it's a tough it's it's a tough road to go if you don't do the combine. But no, I didn't do the combine. I had a pro day, and in fact, I had to have two because nobody showed up to the first one.
0: So this is a story that you have never told on the John Coon podcast before, uh, and it includes, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, a little bit of um, malfeasance would be strong.
1: Malfeasance would be inaccurate.
0: Uh, some dishonesty,
1: ingenuity.
0: Dishonesty.
1: Creativity.
0: Dishonesty.
1: And fun. <laughs> and dishonesty. So
0: take us through. I, this is one of my, I mean, you know me, I love stories. This is one of my all-time favorite stories. Not just one of my all-time favorite John Kuhn stories. Uh, literally one of my favorite stories well, of 25 where do years I, on where the Packers. Where
1: in the world do I start? Do I start with the embarrassment of nobody showing up to the pro that day? That sounds like a board? great place to okay, start. Okay, so... Again, no letter in the mail, nothing saying, John, come to the combine.
0: Now, you're not going to point this out, but before you start, you had an illustrious career at Shippensburg University. I mean, you were extremely productive. You had a bunch of touchdowns. You had 5,000-plus yards.
1: Yes, but what made this even crazier than all of that is the fact that we had several players on one team that had a chance to play in the NFL. In fact, my all started my junior year going into my senior year, we had a guy by the name of Ron Johnson played defensive end, special teamer played 2 years for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the mid uh, first decade of the 2000s, okay? Okay. After he was a senior that year and we were all juniors, we were allowed to weigh in and get measured and run a 40 for the NFL teams that were in attendance for his pro day, one single guy's pro day, and there was I don't know maybe a dozen of us that day who went and took advantage of that.
0: Was he good enough that there were most
1: of the teams there? Well, there was two teams there. There was there was the Eagles and somebody I can't remember maybe the Colts. So the okay. Eagles, so the Eagles and the Colts were there. The Eagles ended up picking him priority free agent. He played for two years. We thought this is great. Ryan or Ron's playing his rookie season. And, and I mean, he went right in there to the 53-man roster, played in the games. So he put us on the map. There was just a pro day there the year before with two teams. We have now six guys who's going to – perform at this next pro day myself brent grimes who's played a decade in the nfl right ryan hoffman who played um in nfl europe when we still had nfl europe uh joel gamble who was on several teams in the nfl their their uh their practice squads okay he, he never made it active but he was on a practice squad. we have four guys who made it in some form of the nfl right two of which have made pro bowls and we get to the pro day and crickets Nobody shows up. We are there. You know, you get there, you get to the pro day, and you know this because you wear running pants all the time. But you got to get warmed up before sure. you do yeah, I know an I athletic do. competition. So we're warm. We're there an hour ahead of time. We're warming up. Our coaches, our college coaches, are there. They're like, "You guys get good sleep last night." They're hyping us up. You good to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, get some, get some high knees, get some butt kickers. You know, it, we're really good at calisthenics and yeah. Too, oh, okay? yeah. So we're getting warmed up. I think it's like ten o'clock. It's supposed to start. We're like looking, nobody's here yet. I wonder, you know, maybe, maybe there was just maybe we'll give them some time. So it gets to be eleven, an hour afterwards, and and I just look at guys. So we got to call this man. We got to call this, and and I was bummed. Listen, I was bummed. Believe me, I was bummed. Nobody came to the pro day, but I could see like some of the guys. They were they were crushed. mortified because you know they hadn't talked to scouts the way I'd talked to scouts. They hadn't talked to agents the way I'd talked to agents, and I kind of had a a backup plan at that point in time for being for getting noticed from some of these teams, and these guys were crushed. But I was I said, hey, we, we're gonna have to call this. Nobody's coming. It's like we're gonna sit here all day. So we ended up calling it. It was a bummer. I think a few of us went out and got a couple beers just to kind of drink the sorrows right, away and right. talk about what we're going to do next. Well, my big plan was, and so that pro day was literally probably the first week of March or something like that. It was it was okay. a good it was a good time to have it, and so my backup plan was a, a month after that. I had another buddy. His name was Raymond Ventroni. He's now coaching special teams for the. Uh, for the Patriots. And he was from Villanova and he was working out with me at the time at this gym in York, Pennsylvania. And he said, I think you should come to Villanova's pro day, man. We're having it a month later. That's an extra month of training. And he was trying to get me to do that instead of going to Shippensburg's okay, in the first place. So I had always thought, well, You know, maybe I'll just do both pro days. Because, guys, back then you could do two pro days if you did them at different schools and and to that uh, extent. And there was a rule back then. You could do anybody's pro day that you either attended that school or was within 50 miles of your home address. Well, guess what? I didn't have a school within 50 miles of my home address. Right. And nobody came to my school. Right. So – do you think about the variables that you can change here?
0: This would be where the dishonesty comes in. I
1: said I had a teammate of mine, his name was Kevin Boyle. If you look on my Wikipedia page, it says he inducted me into the Shippensburg Football Hall of Fame, which is not true, but at least he got his name on my Wikipedia page <laughs> and and he said, John, why don't you come down, stay with me for a couple weeks, change your license, change your address to my home address, and then that way we're within fifty miles of Villanova you can do the pro day there. Great idea. Went down, did that, went down to the DMV you did. in Philadelphia changed my address to a philadelphia address close to villanova and i and i went in and i went and i felt pretty i was nervous now i was nervous that you know these scouts because now i've done a couple things with the scouts um i went on a visit to the giants um i i I met with their scouts up there an in-house visit um i did the same with the ravens the packers were i was in this was so long ago i was doing mail correspondence with the packers you know it, it <laughs> weird stuff but so there was a few teams that i knew knew at least who i was that you where, existed yeah and and i show up on the first date and i felt pretty good because i call him bubba that's his nickname raymond ventrone he was going to walk in with me. He's the star of the show. He's the big name at Villanova's Pro Day. He, I'm coming in with him. We're training buddies. I'm going to work out. I've just felt really good about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll never forget giving my new license to the Colts scout who was running this Pro Day and just shaking in my boots that he's going to look at this and say, "Nah." No. This is fake. Get on out of here. Like
0: like a fake ID in yeah, a bar.
1: Exactly. Which I've never used. No, not you. Never. <laughs> but uh, he gives me this fake ID. Or fake ID. He gives me this license back that Friend I have. And, and he goes, go ahead. So I go in there and I did everything I did, and I had a great pro day too. I ran, yeah. I ran one of my faster 40s. Um, I had a great bench number. Uh, I had, I had great measurables. So I had a heck of a day, and there was there was a dozen, I'd say, nearly 16, 15, 16 scouts there. So there was a good number of scouts there to see me that day, and and I had really good numbers. With all that said, years later. I asked the Packers where they what numbers they had for me upstairs and where they had gotten those numbers. And they said, oh, we just took your numbers from the Cactus Bowl when you were down there. We didn't bother about your pro day. Really? Yeah.
0: So, all right. So if you don't do this pro day, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that a couple of teams had shown interest in you. Mm-hmm. Um, does your career happen?
1: I don't know. Because I know the Pittsburgh Steelers were at that Villanova pro day. Right. And – well, you know, it, it might have still happened. The Ravens, <laughs> might have. the Ravens, the Steelers, uh, the Giants, they were all three teams that called us after the draft that year and said, hey, we want you to come in here as a free agent, and I chose the Steelers. Um, I chose the Steelers because I did math. The Giants had two fullbacks on their roster. The Ravens had three, and the Steelers had one. That's where I'm going, where they have one fullback. And that's what I did. The one thing that I can say definitely wouldn't happen if I didn't do the pro day in Villanova and go through all the shenanigans is I wouldn't have gotten summoned to jury duty in Philadelphia while I was going through my rookie training camp in Pittsburgh. So now I have to get our head of security (laughs) to contact the judicial system or whoever is in charge of <laughs> jury duty down in Philadelphia and get them to excuse me from jury duty in the middle of training camp.
0: And you're not like some established player no. that he's having to do this no, for. No,
1: he's got to do this for me. And he's like, why are you even got jury duty in Philly? And I'm like, eh, that's a long that's story. A long story.
0: <laughs> um, so, in all seriousness, because I, you know, I love that story and I, I love the the jury duty part of it. Mm-hmm. It really does speak, though, to how close a lot of guys are to be not being has-beens but never wases. Like, yeah, you you had a great NFL career, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Pro Bowls and a Super Bowl and all these great things, and and you're not that far away from all of it. Never happening.
1: Well, a a story that's even closer than that to it not happening was my rookie year in Pittsburgh. I was on a practice squad. We we had some injuries with the running back position, so Noah Heron, a guy who ended up coming to the Packers later, was there. And then he had to be put back down on a practice squad, so I got bumped from the practice squad, and I'm at home. And I'm at home for six, eight weeks training between my house in in, in York and, and Chippensburg, driving back and forth and kind of um, doing that thing, working out, staying ready for a phone call. Well, my agent gives me a call and says, hey, the San Jose Sabercats want to sign you to an Arena One League. They're the defending, you know, Arena Bowl champions. They'll pay you uh, $40,000, and that's, they have a bunch of... Places that they can place you using your degree out there in San Jose for the off season, so you also earn in the off season at another job using your degree. And I'm thinking, wow, this is this is pretty good. It doesn't look like it's happening here right. with football anymore. I'm literally on the street, my rookie year, not working at all, not talking to anybody. And so I said, okay, so we fly out there. I sign a I I sign a contract. Um, we look for housing, we do all that stuff. I come back home, and now the rule is for that league, very much like the XFL, you can sign with any league you want at any point in time, but you cannot leave this league during a season to play in another league. Meaning, if you start a season with the Arena Football League, you have to finish that season with the Arena Football League. Even for
0: the NFL. You yes, could not leave. yes, you
1: cannot leave okay. in the middle of the season. And that season started when their training camp opened, which is sometime late in the fall. Okay. So now it's probably week eight, nine, or ten of the NFL season. And I have my bags packed and in the car. I'm flying out of Harrisburg to San Jose the next day to, it's a Monday night, to. To start training camp with the San Jose Sabercats. My bag is packed in the car to wake up the next morning at 7 a.m. to go to the airport. And I get a phone call at 11 o'clock at night, and it's Kevin Colbert from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he says, John, um, we want to bring you back onto the practice squad. Is there any chance you can be to Pittsburgh tomorrow in the morning? And I said, I'll be there in three hours. The bag's already packed. Right? It's already in the car. And and he was like, oh, well, okay. And they put me, I mean, I said book the hotel because I'm, I'm leaving now. And the entire drive out to Pittsburgh, I was on the phone with my agent. I'm like, please tell me. Please tell me that this does not, please tell me I'm not in some sort of loophole trouble because it was past midnight. Right. So the arena league, Training camp started that day.
0: Starting that day, right. And
1: and I'm not signed with them yet. So please tell me there's not some sort of thing here that I'm gonna get stuck on. Right. Even though you haven't
0: reported to camp yet. Yes. You're under contract. Yes,
1: and the season has technically started and I'm not signed with them yet. So he said, No, you have to actually attend. So I got I got lucky there by about a day. I could only imagine if that phone call would have came while I was on the flight. Right, and I land, or
0: two in, days later, and, and I
1: land in San Jose, and I have this message on my phone, and I listen to the message on my phone. And I think, "Oh my gosh, I can't get off this plane because they're going to be waiting to take me to the right, and I can't go there."
0: Wow! So you would have had to spend the whole season with the San Jose Sabrecats. Yep. and maybe, and again, maybe you have a great season, mm. and you can yeah, catch on just, the following those year. Are,
1: in the those NFL. Are, those are there's a lot of guys who have stories like that. That are that are just – it's just, I mean, Kurt Warner was bagging groceries, wasn't right?
0: he? Yeah. So
1: um, a, a great quote that I love that I heard is uh, Ladanian Tomlinson saying 80% of, 80% of guys in, in the league can be stars, but only 20% will get that opportunity. Um, I don't really know. I mean, he's kind of talking about being stars and right. um, going to Pro Bowls and stuff like that. I, I kind of look at it more as – there's 1700 guys in this league and there's a great majority of that 1700 guys that are are in this league because of x y and z they were a big five-star recruit coming out of high school they went to a division one school right um you, you know just their their dad played in the league or an uncle played in the league there's all kinds of boxes that you can check for these people and yet Onto, there's a very small amount of guys who don't have any of that that are right. still very capable and play in the league. And then there's a huge pull outside the league. Guys that can still play in the league, but for whatever reason, right place, right time, perfect circumstances, the right offense for whatever it is, it just doesn't work from there. There's... there's there's, there's a lot of guys that, that can do it, and it just doesn't right.
0: work. And, it's I mean, that's the case with Tausch, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if he gets drafted by another team and the right tackle doesn't get hurt, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he bounces around to a couple practice squads. Instead, he has an 11-year NFL career and wins a Super Bowl mm-hmm. with you as his teammate. All right, so the combine is underway. We'll see, you know. Where the Packers end up when it comes to drafting and filling needs. We've got all kinds of talk- well, time to talk about that.
1: Yeah, and they, and and unfortunately, it sounds like they're not going to have a draft now in Green Bay for another, well, what, five years?
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, although there was that discussion over the weekend about the 2022 20, draft, um, perhaps. They're,
1: they're bidding hard for that right now, too, with the convention center getting done. Right. Um they're they're making a push. If if Nashville can do this, if Kansas City can do this, why not Green Bay? And I say the same thing. Why not? Because you know the, the last weekend in or the middle of April. That's when it is.
0: Yeah, late late April.
1: Okay, so it's late April. Why can't Green? It cannot be weather.
0: No, I would assume hotel space is part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I mean. If you're here's my thing. If you're a if if you're an NFL fan and you're going to the draft. Yeah. Obviously you want to have fun stuff to do yeah. in that place whether it's Nashville or Dallas I think had it, right? Mm-hmm. Vegas has it mm-hmm. this year. Kansas City's got Philly it. Had it once, yeah. Right. So there's lots of, you know, you want to have stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But you're pretty hardcore as a football fan. Right.
1: If you're right, that's what I thought. If you're going to the, Now didn't they say over the course of those three days, a million people showed up at the yeah, and it was like in a,
0: Nashville? It was like a uh, an economic impact of like $125 million.
1: What happens so. if a million people show up here?
0: Yeah, I don't know. For three-day period. I'm probably going to have to clean the basement. It's going to be Woodstock. People right. are going
1: to be sleeping in the streets.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to know what exactly the logistics are. Well, they
1: do the Summerfest most. right down the road. Maybe we can figure out some sort of way to make that happen.
0: I mean, you've got – so Town would have appeal, obviously, mm-hmm. right, and a new convention center, and they have the Rush Center, and they obviously have Lambeau Field. Um, I know Tennessee, the draft was – outside, right? Yeah. It was at the end of that road yeah. that's just on the river across from the football stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, you would hope that the weather would cooperate, but there are some probably inherent risks. I mean, we've had snow on April 14th yeah. in Green lots Bay, Wisconsin. Too. Yeah, lots of Big snowstorms. So I'd be curious um, and we'll, you know, we'll see if, if it's well, they 2022 got, they, and they, 2024. Well, they have time to f-
1: figure that out. It sounds like it's not going to be 2022 now, so our best shot is 2024. Um, they have time to work that out. What they're running out of time for is the CBA. Mm. And we talked about it on the last podcast. And now even over the weekend, we thought we were going to get a vote and we have not gotten a vote yet. And now we are sitting here this week. Now the last week, uh, the last full week of February and wondering, isn't, can this thing get done for the players? Right.
0: Um, I am intrigued by the dynamic. And look, you were a players association rep. You're also a guy though that went from being for for lack of a better term, early in your career, a nobody. Right? You're you're uh
1: You don't uh, have to explain it. I was a nobody. Just say it like that and move okay. on.
0: <laughs> and then you became somebody. Well thank right? you. Right? You went to Pro Bowls, you were a veteran player, you were res- respected in your locker room. I'm so fascinated. wait, You're a
1: nobody if you Nobody shows up to your pro day. You don't correct. get invited yes. to a combine, and you have to well, sneak your way See, this is why I was going <laughs> to couch it
0: further. Um, and you have to get out of jury duty on top of it. Uh, but here's my thing. So it's been interesting because there's been a lot of pushback from star players, mm-hmm. right, and high-profile players. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, that the rank-and-file – I won't use nobody again. The rank-and-file players, the – You know, the the largest portion of that 1,700 players wants the deal.
1: That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. And it sounds like the hang-up primarily is over the 17th game, which is interesting to me. Um, Not interesting that they'd be hung up over a 17th game, but I really thought uh, it didn't matter. I thought most of us played the sport because of A, we, what better job in the world is there right. to play football and B, you get paid to do it. So I thought as you know, I always thought 17th game, schmeventeenth game, if you have, you're playing the game still and you're getting paid for it. Well, what's come out now is that they would cap out in that 17th game of current contracts uh, by by a $4 million contract. Like, they couldn't right. get any more than $250,000 for that last game, which means anybody who's playing at a contract over $4.25 million or whatever it is would would then get less for that 17th game than what they get for the other 16. That makes up about 15%. Maybe 20% of the national football
0: league. Okay. I was wondering how high that percentage
1: So was. If, if 15 and 20, now keep in mind, though, no, those are the most powerful Correct. 15 to 20% in every negotiation in every deal in every cba there is a give and take and there's always a side that has to give uh for the last several cbas that side having to give has been the guys at the lower end of the totem pole in the in the, in the player's side as the vet minimum guys the the journeyman guys okay. the middle of the field guys Um, get squeezed as you try and pull money from the top, take it from the bottom. The last CBA we saw ourselves take a huge number away from the draft picks, especially the first-round draft picks, and that's an influx of money to the veteran players. Unintended consequence. It didn't go to all the players. It just went to the stars. I believe, and many others do believe as well, that the star players are always going to have a leg to stand on. They're always going to be able to demand what they want, and they're going to be able to get it. But it's these guys in the middle and the bottom that can't really demand it. And they didn't really see a bump.
0: There was not a trickle down.
1: There that. was not. So so they gave. They gave for the last 10 years. And now is a period where that 80% – because. This new CBA is bigger and better than the last one. It raises minimums, and it, it's for an extra one to one and a half percent of total player revenue. So it's 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 a better deal for the players, for the majority of the players, and and that eighty percent has to ask for that top fifteen to twenty percent. To
0: take one for the team. To, to
1: just grin and bear it, and take one for the team, for the remaining contracts that are only for 16 game seasons that go past 2020 because anything that expires in 2020 is all gravy because the 17th game doesn't start until possibly 2021 anyways. correct so you're talking about one two three years possibly of guys making up at a max 20 of the deal to be able to 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 suffer this blow i, I think it's a fair ask for the majority of the players in the league to ask those guys to do that because for everybody you're winning for everybody you're winning. We talk about the NBA and some of these other leagues are at 50 50. The, the, The truth of the matter is by the time you break down actual dollars and cents, the amount of money that comes into the NFL and gets divided by the owners and the players, if the players sign this deal, the the players will be making a higher percentage of the actual money that comes into the league than any other professional sport
0: because those splits in those other sports there's other parts of the money it's that like are the, not included it's
1: like the old deal where the nfl owners and players had where it was a 50-50 split right. but that was after they took 10% off the top of the right. actual money so this is when you when you break it down dollars and cents this is the best deal in professional sports at this point in time.
0: So I am not a master negotiator. You would not me- want me in any way, shape, or form involved with negotiations. So here's my question as somebody who wouldn't be good at it. Could this be used as an effective ploy to not get more per player for that 17th game? you know remove the $250,000 cap or whatever could you use this instead to improve some things that really matter like extending the health care benefit for former players Listen, from 5 years like that, i that's what i want to see for guys that put their bodies on the line and i understand that it's incumbent on you mm-hmm. and other former players to go out and get jobs yep. after your football career is over but to some degree, do you need to find a way to get players greater health insurance for long? I don't know. I don't think lifetime can happen, but can they do better? On- because someday these guys that are players now yeah. are going to be former players yeah. that has value to them.
1: Now that that's a very valid argument, and I, I don't know because I'm not in these meetings where that ranks right. with with the hot. Button topics that they actually are going over, and what's most important to the EC because the EC is doing the negotiating. Uh, the the they're supposed to be the executive the face, committee. They're supposed to be the face of the representatives, who are the face of the teams. You know, it's right. just representative all right. the way on up. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know which ones are the hot button topics. I would, I would hope that healthcare is um, five years for you and your family post career is at least pretty good i in my opinion i'm going okay. through it right now i like it i enjoyed i'm very thankful for it obviously 10's better and obviously lifetime is infinitely better and can they get to that i don't know i don't think so but this is something you got to be careful here if you start looking at this cba the way that it is right now and not liking it whether it's for the healthcare or whether it's for a 17th game if you go and think all right no, we don't like this. We don't like the 17th game. The really loud minority, like I said, of 20%, the really loud minority versus the really quiet majority wins. And we right. turn this down and we vote no as a players union. What you have to be worried about now is the owners are setting this deal up, a deal where they're giving you more money than they gave you before. And they're setting this deal up so they have a full year to negotiate with their boss biggest money maker, the TV contracts, right. and you make it really difficult for them to negotiate these TV contracts and make them more money and make you more money, right. they could turn their guns away from the TV contracts and turn it towards you going into next offseason with this CBA contract contract negotiation and they might want to make up make it up on the back end and offer you less next year there there's a portion of people that believe that is a fair and valid thought
0: so that it would end up in the long run hurting, hurting the players because even a lesser more deal go
1: ahead and get your 17th game for one pro rated of your of your contract amount Because overall, we're going to be taking back billions. Because, listen, this fight is not about millions to these owners. This fight is about billions. And the players are talking about millions.
0: Well, you're going to go off on your golf trip and a few other trips. We're going to go on hiatus. Maybe this will be the finale. Maybe you'll just abandon me. We'll be be back. But we'll find out, and it'll be interesting to see in the couple weeks that you're gone if when we reconvene, There's a CBA deal or not. Yeah. We'll find that out. This has been this week's edition, Before Hiatus, of the John Kuhn Podcast. Thanks for listening.